Hey guys, um, I've got a map up here I want you to have a bit of a look at. So um, uh, I'm just going to, I've got one of these pointers here. Hmm, is that pointing on the screen or not? It's not. How about that? Oh, hang on, wrong bit. No? Ah, oh, it's okay, don't worry. Okay, basically this is a map of Nepal and India. And uh, kind of on the right-hand side of the map, you've got Kathmandu, which is the capital of Nepal. Um, I've been in Kathmandu for a while doing some Christian work. And before that, I've been right down to the south, which is uh, in Calcutta in India. Come back, uh, gone up to Nepal, did some work there. Then over towards the uh, eastern side where it says Nepal up there, I did some trekking in the Himalayas. And uh, so I'd finally come back to Kathmandu planning to go back down to Calcutta and while I was just you know there for a couple of days trying to organize this I ran into this girl who I kind of knew by sight from Calcutta in Calcutta there are a lot of um, Christians doing uh, missionary kind of work there church work and uh, she was uh, a girl who was was part of this really large group just knew her by sight so when I ran into her in the street in Kathmandu, you know, sort of a familiar face kind of. So we started talking and just said, okay, let's go and grab um, a meal together. This is uh, quite a few years ago when I was about 21, about four years ago. And um, <laughs> a bit further than that. And uh, so anyway, we're actually out having dinner and I'm talking to her and uh, she's a, an Irish girl. Her name was Mary. And um, as we're talking, I can kind of see that she's not doing so well. Um, she told me she'd been actually quite sick and had a really a lot of prolonged illnesses there. And um, then she kind of shared that um, she'd been having a lot of problems because uh, she was uh, an auburn, red-headed girl with porcelain, porcelain white skin. And she'd been getting a huge amount of um, unwanted male attention over there. And even though she dressed very modestly and whatever, it was really concerning her and not the least of which she had to travel back from Kathmandu to Calcutta. And, uh, you know, it's like a three-day trip. And when she'd come up, a lot of guys had been giving her a really hard time and so she was pretty nervous and sick and upset about it. And I kind of listened and um, I was a student and I didn't have a whole lot of money. I was planning on going back and flying. And I, I just kind of said to her, listen, I'll buy you a ticket. You can have an air ticket and, you know, you can get down there. It's an hour as compared to three days and nights traveling and whatever. And she, she said to me, no, I can't take that from you. I can't afford it. And I won't be obligated to you, okay, or, or indebted to you. And I'm saying, look, it's all right. This is fine. I'll even sit in a different part of the plane. I mean, you, I, just, I just want to help you. And she said, no, no, I really can't do that. And um, so um, I, I think... I went back that night and I said I'd meet her for coffee the next morning and I really went and prayed about it and thought about it and really had this strong sense that I should travel back with her via bus and via train and sort of like escort her, so to speak, you know. And uh, so we got together for coffee the next morning and um, I, I said to her, look, um, if you want, I will escort you back. I'll go with you. We'll go by bus and train and I really felt I didn't want to do it because it was so long and I hardly knew her and stuff like that but uh, she immediately agreed and thought that would be a really good idea and kind of shared with me at some point that she'd had this dream or this sense that something really bad was going to happen which I found very encouraging and cheering and uh, 
So um, f- for whatever reason, um, the buses all left at like 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock at night. And the only reason I think this is the case is that the drivers over there are so bad, they all think they're Formula One drivers, okay? And they drive through these mountainous roads, and they'll only do it at night when you're asleep and you can't see how dangerous it is. So it's just crazy. We're driving through and we eventually get to... Oh, can I see that map again? Oh, it's back. Okay. There's Kathmandu. And we sort of travelled about three or four hours down to this little place called Biganj, which is on the uh, Nepali side. And then you go over to this side down here, which is, you cross over into India, and the India side is Roxy or Roxall or some name like that. So we get to Biganj at like four o'clock in the morning. Um, the Indian side of the border is closed for a couple of hours, so we get a coffee and whatever. And eventually we go over to the Indian side of the border, and... Um, it's just kind of she and I, and we, we get ushered into this room by these soldiers, and they're all carrying guns and stuff like that. And um, so we go and sit in this room together, and um, there's like this official guy, he's got a military uniform on, and he's sitting behind a desk, and we're just kind of sitting there, and he is just staring at this girl, right? He is just staring at her. So we're just sitting in this room, it's kind of really pretty. So I go to speak, and he goes, shh. And he just keeps staring at this girl. And she is getting really, really uncomfortable, okay? And so am I, by the way. And so eventually he looks at her and he says to her, do you love him? Pointing to me. <laughs> and she goes, no, no, we're, we're, I, I don't really know him. We're just kind of traveling together. And he goes, no, but do you love him? And she's going, no, it's not like that. We're just... And then he says... If you don't love him, do you love me? Oh, and I'm sitting there thinking, oh, this is terrible. Um, within a moment, somebody's going to find our bags and there's going to be heroin in there, you know, and we're going to go to jail for the rest of our lives and she's going to get raped and it's just terrible. And I'm really, she is just petrified. I can see the look on her face. And I'm sitting there, I'm just praying and praying and, and thinking this is just terrible and not knowing what to do, and there are all these guys with guns outside, and he's got a gun, and um, I don't have a gun. And um, the next thing I know, we're actually outside of the building, walking up the street. I am dragging her by her arm. Okay, she's not very tall or anything, like I'm kind of dragging her up the road. And then she stops me, and she said this to me, who are you? Just tell me who you are. And I'm going, What? She says, tell me who you are. And I said, what are you talking about? She said, what did you do in that room? I said, nothing. We just... She said, no, what did you do in that room? I'm going, I I don't know what you're talking about. And at this point, I don't actually have a memory of what happened in that room. Okay? I said, what are you talking about? She said, you got up. You walked over to this guy's desk. You took the passports out of his hand. You put them on the desk and you looked him in the face and said, stamp the visa in there now. And this guy was just petrified. And I said it again. And he picks up and he stamped both passports. And then he just begged us to leave his office and never come back. She said, who who are you? Now, it's at this point of the time you can actually look at a girl like that and go, I'm Batman. (laughs) But I'm not Batman. 
And I don't remember that actually happening. So if you find it hard to believe, I even find it more hard to believe. I actually don't have a memory of what happened in that room. And you're probably wondering, well, what did happen in that room, okay? And what I really believe happened in that room, even though I don't have a memory of it, the only memory I have is the one that she's told me, this is Mary, is this next verse. This is what I believe probably happened in that room. That Jesus made a promise long time ago, 2,000 years ago, to his immediate disciples, but to all of us who are disciples of his, when he said, but when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you'll be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. And that's what I believe happened. I mean, I'm stupid at times, but I'm not suicidal. I would not get up to a guy with a gun and put a passport down and demand that he do something when there's other guys with guns outside. I'm not brave. And I'm not suicidal. But I honestly believe that the Lord just gave me words or something. I was praying desperately because... I was extremely concerned about that situation we're in. Nobody knew where we were. Nobody. Nobody in this world had a clue that we were in this room at that time. And I think we're in serious, serious trouble. But I prayed. I prayed. And I believe God stepped in. And so... um, Anyway, uh, we, we started arguing in the street about what happened and whatever, and it was ironic. It was kind of like with this old married couple arguing in the street. So anyway, we eventually went up to uh, the, the train station and we caught a train to a place called Patna, which is a bit south of there. And then she got really sick. I mean, like, really sick, like with a fever and all sorts of crazy things. And um, I just dragged her to the airport, literally, and said, look, I'm paying for a, a plane ticket because I'd rather pay for that than your funeral. And um, so we jumped on this plane and we ended up back down in Calcutta and she kind of saw doctors and got better. But she obviously told all of her Irish friends, because there are a lot of these girls, they're all Irish Catholics girls, they're all called Mary. Um, There was one Fanula, I think. And um, they all thought I was Batman. They all thought I was really clever and they all... And I don't think, when I tried to explain to them what I thought, they, they just really didn't get it. And I guess... I'm wondering, do we understand, do you guys understand, do we understand what really happened there? That God, when when we come to him and when we enter into a relationship with him and when we ask for forgiveness because of his death on the cross and when we receive his Holy Spirit, he really opens up resources to us. And then when we're in prayer and when we're in not only difficult situations and good situations, he answers those prayers And we need to understand that's the way that life is actually meant to be lived, with this incredible reliance upon him rather than on our own strength. And it's often only in those situations you realise you have no strength in yourself. Uh, How do you get out of those situations in your own strength or whatever? And so as we kind of look at a few more verses, I really want us to understand this tonight and be really clear about this, that we need to be really certain, have certainty about how Jesus and how we are empowered by God to actually do his work. Now, 
I want to read to you a couple of verses, and, and, and they're kind of strange verses in a way, because when you think about them, they don't actually make a lot of sense. Let me just read them to you. Well, they do make sense, but they don't seem to, if I can put it that way. In Luke 3, 21 and 22, we read, when all of the people were baptized, Jesus was baptized too, and as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, you are my son whom I love. With you, I'm very well pleased. Now, let me tell you why that is such a strange verse. That last week, you you would have actually heard in the reading that John was actually preaching a baptism. He was coming around and calling people on behalf of God to be baptized. And if we look at Luke 3, 3, we see the nature of that baptism. And he, John the Baptist, went into all of the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sins. Now, the big question is, if this is a baptism that John was giving, that Jesus turned up to, and it's all about having a change and and saying sorry for sins and getting on with your life, well, what was Jesus doing there? He's only God's never sinned. You see what I'm saying? It's kind of like strange. And if you don't understand how strange it is, even John the Baptist didn't want to take part in it. He's going, whoa, I'm not letting this happen. If we look at a different gospel that has this detail that Luke doesn't include, if we turn to Matthew 3, 13 to 17, we actually read a parallel passage with some more details. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying... I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented, and as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. What happened here? Jesus is truly God and he's truly man, truly a person. And as part of being a person and truly human as well, he lays aside some of his glory and some of his powers in a way. We actually heard that being read just a a moment ago in um, Philippians chapter 2. And so he comes down to earth and he's really like one of us, except he's not sinful. And yet, when God offers an opportunity to people, an opportunity of grace, Jesus puts up his hand and said, look, I'll take part. Does he need it? He's humbling himself. He is showing us what it's like to be the true human being, a human being the way God actually intended. And so he comes and he's baptized. He's not forgiven anything because he doesn't need any forgiveness. But it's at this point of baptism when he humbles himself before God that God does something extraordinary in his life. If you read through Luke, you'll see that this is the point where Jesus' ministry begins. And there's some other verses in Scripture that really look back later on in um, Acts, which is part two of Luke's message that explains specifically what's going on here. And we need to understand it because we need to understand what's happening in Jesus' life because he is how we are meant to live. And so if I read now from Acts 10, 37 and 38, this is what I'm going to read. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after 
the baptism that John preached. What happened after the baptism that John preached? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. Okay? The Holy Spirit and power. And how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Now, I'm not going to split hairs here. I'm not believing for a moment that Jesus doesn't have the Holy Spirit before this moment. But he is anointed with power to do the ministry that God has called him to do. That is what is going on here. And what we are fundamentally seeing, and I've shared this with you a couple of times, but it's such an important thing to understand. Because if we don't understand this, we actually miss one of the most important sides of Christianity. We need to understand how we're meant to be empowered as a means of doing the thing that God wants us to do. Now, when we talk about Jesus, we refer to him as Jesus Christ. And sometimes when we say that, we don't think through the meaning of saying Jesus Christ. You would tend to think if he's Jesus Christ that his parents are Mary and Joseph Christ, right? Sounds like that. But that's not his family name. That's a title that explains what is really significant about him as a human being. And the word Christ, Christos, is the same as the Hebrew word Messiah, Messiah, which means the one who is anointed. And so one of the major things the Bible wants us to understand about Jesus is that he is the human being, while truly being God, while truly being truly human, who is walking around. And the one thing they want to keep saying about him is, He's the son of God, but he is also the one who has been anointed or empowered by God. It's extraordinary, isn't it? We so often think that Jesus just does everything because he's God. But he actually does things despite the fact that he is. He does so much of his ministry. There are some things that are totally unique to him. His death on the cross, for instance. His knowledge about God from way back. But there, there are things that he does solely because he has been obedient. He has humbled himself. He has come and uh, accepted the means of God's grace, which at this point is a baptism. And God has blessed him and anointed him with his Holy Spirit. Let me show you three verses from the next chapter. In Luke 4, 1, we actually read, Jesus, comma, what does Luke want us to understand? Full of the Holy Spirit left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, I want you to think about this for a sec. It's kind of pretty important. You would have thought Jesus knew exactly where he was meant to go and exactly what he was meant to do because he's God. That's not how it worked. He ended up going the places that the Holy Spirit led him. What places are you and I meant to be going? Who chooses? Who decides? Well, Jesus is telling us that true humanity decides as it is led by God through the Holy Spirit. How often in life are we thinking, this is what I want to do, or this is my agenda, or that's my agenda? And yet what we're seeing is Jesus didn't live that way. Even right to the very end of the cross, it was always God's agenda through the Holy Spirit. Look what it says in Luke 4.14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. 
And news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. Why did the news spread? Because he was doing extraordinary things. How was he doing extraordinary things? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Look in Luke 4.18, a few verses later it says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. Why is he doing all this? Because the Spirit of the Lord is on me. And we, we need to really understand this. I think that thing that happened to me in that office with Mary happened firstly because even though I really didn't want to, I wasn't excited about travelling with her. Um, It wasn't my idea of a good time. Um, But I prayed about it and had this sense that this is what God wanted me to do to help this girl, help this woman. So I, I guess I really listened to him and said, okay, I'm not going to do what I really want to do, which is to fly back just easily to Calcutta in an hour. So I ended up getting into a situation that was really scary. I mean, I'm I'm not kidding you. I was pretty seriously scared at that point, and I was doing some serious praying. I don't know if I actually prayed myself unconscious. I doubt it. (laughs) I was really, really praying and thinking, this is terrible. We're in so much trouble. Um, And I'm middle-class... Australian, that can't be right. Surely I deserve university and better things. And, um, and yet, I think God had me there for a reason. To help her, to learn something, to share with you tonight. To learn that I'm not Batman and to tell other people I'm not. To tell people there are no Batman. The only Batman's the Holy Spirit, if you want to put it that way, right? He's the only guy with any power and knowledge and really whatever. But there was, I guess I humbled myself. And I just really want to encourage you guys as you're kind of sitting here and thinking about your lives. And we live in a world that everybody's telling you, you know, you have the truth within and do all these things you want to do. That The Bible's coming with a totally different contrary message. And the Bible's message is that your freedom is found in listening to God. And faithfully following him. That's where you'll find freedom. You won't necessarily find ease there. You won't necessarily find celebrity there. Or if you do, it will be very short-lived, I promise you. (laughs) And there's a lot of things you feel you miss out on, but you'll miss out on nothing. Because you will find yourself conforming more and more to the likeness of Jesus, which is the very person you were designed to be like. If you go back to that passage in Philippians, Paul says, be like-minded. Be like Jesus who counted him, even though he was equal with God, counted equality with God, nothing to be grasped. We find ourselves by humbling ourselves and coming before God and he promises to empower us. It's not party tricks or stuff like that. And I don't want to be really strange about this. I don't want to give you the idea that when I get up in the morning, I have a shower in the power of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Like I've got less dirt than you guys do. Uh, Or I brush my teeth in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not like that. There's a whole lot of dumb things you're going to do in life that, you know, kind of just dumb things like brushing your teeth and having showers. And having a shower isn't a dumb thing. Have one regularly, okay? Let me encourage you. But... uh, (laughs) 
especially if you'd come in my presence. And, um, but, but what I'm really trying to say here is it's not about doing party tricks or you know, trying to show off and stuff like that. It's, it's about when it counts, which is a lot of the time, believe it or not, that you have this experience of, of really knowing how to be prayerful. You're reading your Bible regularly. You, you're getting a sense of learning how to hear the voice of God. And you're increasingly making sure that the places that you are going are, are really the places God wants you to be. And he'll empower you, okay? He'll really empower you. I could tell you a whole lot more about Mary. I won't. She had a pretty tough time, old Mary. But um, I think she sorted out in the end. How about you join me in prayer? Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you that through your word, you really explain to us things that we wouldn't know otherwise. We don't naturally understand that empowerment is the way to live and it comes through the Holy Spirit and he is open and available to us and that our job is really to follow you, Lord, and and, and to really be so interested in where you want us to be, what you want us to be doing and to be doing it in the power of your Holy Spirit. Jesus, we just love you so much and we're so thankful for you And we have to admit, Lord, that a life like that sounds awfully scary. But a life like that is a life that is lived with you and there is no more secure place in this universe than walking faithfully with you through the power of your Holy Spirit. We praise you, we thank you, we adore you, Jesus. And Lord, just give us wisdom about these things we pray. In your name, amen.